Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And good evening out there. Yes, great to be back on the airwaves here with Winning Ponies. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Dan Cowens from Bonaventure Stable that was with us last week. Very entertaining from the spa. And then, of course, uh, Joe Christofik, uh, our voice from Chicago, who was a very, very busy man with the entire Arlington Million afternoon that turned out to be uh, pretty good. Uh, if you listen to uh, to our interview, uh, we, we, we played the pick four, and as life usually has it, we were solid with three of them. <laughs> didn't didn't quite get the whole pick four. Uh, started out with with a bit of an upset in the first leg. So I think what we'll do is uh, we'll start with the uh, the Chicago races, uh, move uh, back east to Saratoga, and then take a look at uh, how things uh, came out on the West Coast. Before we do that, just want to kind of set you up here for. Tonight, we're going to have uh, one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, I started out as a fan, and now I've ended up as a friend uh, with one Patricia P.J. Cooksey, who's just been a phenomenal ambassador of the sport of racing, and she's led quite an interesting life, and uh, she continues to be a major force in racing, even though she's not up on the back of thoroughbreds uh, every afternoon. Uh, from there, we're going to go to... Andy Serling, that's right. Yeah, you know him as the man that kind of accepted the uh, the banner from Harvey Pack in New York. So uh, if Harvey gave him his blessing. It's good enough for me. But uh, Andy and I go back. He didn't know it. I knew I knew little Andy when he was little Andy, and I've got photos to prove it. So I know he was an awful busy guy putting together the Serling syndicate today up in new york we'll see how that ticket made out uh he put up two thousand dollars and brought some uh, fans on to be partners with him for the ticket today and so we'll see how that uh, that all worked out up at saratoga when we get a chance to talk to andy serling and of course uh, we'll be uh, handicapping some saratoga races with andy well let's uh, start it out again in chicago uh, we were tearing up our tickets right after the first race, the Hot Tooth. I think Joe and I both liked, liked race to Erga, who uh, raced valiantly back to 10th place. And instead, we were beaten by a Polish horse, a horse with Polish connections. Santina Don is uh, trained by Gennady Dorachenko and is owned by Vladimir Kazakov. 
this horse started its career in Poland. Uh, Gennady showed up in North America last year with an interesting string of horses, and now he's got these Kentucky breads. This one was bred by the former governor of Kentucky, Brereton Jones. The horses won five of nine lifetime races, uh, but not all of them in top company, so he was overlooked at 30-1, to 1, got up by a neck in the Hatouf, paying 64 40 and like I said, a lot of people tearing up tickets. Uh, from there, uh, we went on to the uh, Secretariat Stakes, which turned out to be a very formful race, and uh, Joe and I both liked uh, the British-bred Treasured Beach in here, and Treasured Beach... Uh, coming in from graded races, including the uh, Dubai Duty-Free Irish Derby, uh, a winner of that race, uh, took down the grade one secretariat at a mile and a quarter, only held on by a neck over Zeriad, an Irish-bred band with Garrett Gomez up, was third. That was the secretariat. Uh, then we moved on to, to one of the uh, finest Philly and mare races of the year, and it's the grade one Beverly D., uh, 750000 up for grabs in here. And again, we said that uh, the course was probably going to be a little yielding, and when that happens, as you know, it usually plays out to the advantage of the European runners. And in this case, it was the French-bred Stace Lida that is now in the barn of Chad Brown. And Stace Lida came over here and ran in the United Nations, as we pointed out, against the boys. This, this is a black mare, five-year-old mare. She ran against the boys and only missed by a link to Teeks North. She was actually favored in the United Nations, but she came back, was favored in the Beverly D, and was a rather impressive winner. She kind of cruised home by a length and a quarter. And then the, the granddaddy of them all, that's right, the Arlington Million, and... Uh, this race, again, didn't disappoint a lot of favorite backers because the top two favorites uh, came home 1-2. The winner was Cape Blanco, and I don't know if this horse can go any, any farther up. I mean, this, this horse has done pretty much everything that's been asked of him during its career. Uh, this was its eighth win and 14 starts. The horse has won over $3 million now. Uh, came to America, and his first start won the Man of War Stakes. Uh, this horse just missed by a length in, in the Dubai, the grade one Dubai World Cup. And uh, this horse uh, was a winner of the of the Irish Derby. This pedigree is just phenomenal. It was quite the weekend, actually, for, for his sire, Galileo. He may be uh, taking up the mantle as uh, the leading European sire of the son of Sadler's Wells. But uh, Cape Blanco was just so impressive, uh, kind of had control of the race was second, turning up for home after a mile, and blew away by a two and a half lengths. Joe and I both said, as much as we were uh, Gio Ponte fans, that uh, Gio Ponte sometimes seems to be his own worst enemy. And once again, he made steady progress on the second bend. Then he had to go out four wide, uh, lost lost some ground. But I don't think anybody was going to beat Cape Blanco. He might have been the best horse in the world in the Arlington Million. Again, it'll be very interesting to see where he shows up next. An awesome performance. Uh, let's move uh East now and, and, and go to the spot, take a look at, at, at a few races that we looked at. Um, I noticed that, uh, that Winchester, uh, who was hoping to race on the grass at Arlington Park, the race was taken off. The horse just never really fired last time out. Well, he fired in the sword dancer pretty good. Uh, Winchester came home and kind of fulfilled the legacy. Uh, this horse was uh, owned by the Firestones uh, of uh, many, many, many great horses. Of course, Genuine Risk. And uh, they had uh, theatrical uh, back in 87. 
and uh, Theatrical ended up uh, winning this race, and now here his son, Winchester, comes from dead last after a mile and gets up by three-quarters of a length. Uh, the favorite in there was Boisterous, uh, but Winchester with Cornelio Velasquez in the saddle, very, very impressive, and uh, paid, paid a nice seven twenty, not too bad. Uh, now let's take a look at the babies, uh, some interesting ones. Uh, if you saw the Adirondack Stakes, uh, you opened up the form and said, oh, no, five horses, this can't be much of a race. Well, it turned into a ding-dong daddy. Let me tell you, coming down the lane, it was my Miss Aurelia, and million reasons why. They took over from Bellacourt at the half-mile pole, and those two began an instant match race. It was just phenomenal. You'll get chills if you see it. And they pulled away from the field by 15 lengths. And at the wire, it was Julian Le Peru aboard My Miss Oriella, just staying ahead of Johnny V on million reasons why this is going to be fun. I'm going to see if these two Phillies match up. Uh, they're both East Coast base. It's going to be very, very interesting. But to beat the field by 15, even a small field, that says something very competitive as two-year-olds. And now there's a new kid on the block, and his name is Union Rags. You know, uh, Union Rags uh, was a awfully, awfully impressive in the Three Chimneys Saratoga Special. Uh, this horse, interestingly, is trained by Michael Matz. Michael Matz, of course, from Barbaro fame, and he's really not known for cranking up his two-year-olds very much. But I'll tell you what, if you go back and look at the replay of this race, Union Rags does not look like a two-year-old. He looked like a three-year-old running against two-year-olds in his size only. He sure looked like a two-year-old coming down the lane. Uh, he was very green. Uh, he swerved out at the 16th pro rather dramatically, uh, but uh, Xavier Castellano was able to move him back inside, and uh, then he just straightened out, went to the wire, and was, was just very, very impressive. Um, the uh, stat ran second in that with Johnny V up in the uh, Irish evening. was third stat was favored uh, to, to win that race. All right, what do you say we go out to the West Coast now and review what happened out there? Um, the uh, La Jolla Stakes, uh, that uh, looked like it was a midnight interludes race to lose, and quite frankly, did. Um, Burns, the, the horse that had been running against slightly tougher competition, um, was able to get the job done and done by a neck. And uh, that was my pick that day. It paid $9.20. Little Bit of Fun was second. And 31st Street was third. So that, again, was the, the La Jolla. Uh, from there, a uh, very interesting race, the John C. Maybe, a grade two uh, for three-year-olds and up. And uh, this race, it was Cozy Rosie. You remember people by the name of Mr. and Mrs. Jerry Moss from Zenyatta fame? Well, they got another nice one. They actually bred Cozy Rosie, who rallied from off the pace. But what a finish. Another race that, that, that's worth going back and taking a look at. Uh, the, 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 the favorite was uh, Harmonious, who... Usually puts in a late kick and did, but it was way too late. Uh, turning for home, she was dead last in the field of seven. Uh, by that time, wasted tears, uh, had the lead and looked awful strong. But uh, Cozy Rosie flew up on the inside and was very impressive, but only got up by a half a length 
over Malibu Pier, who was only a head ahead of Wasted Tears, who was only a half a length ahead of Harmonious, who was only a half a length of uh, ahead of Go Forth North. So uh, a little under a length and a half separating the top horses uh, in there. Um, we've been following the uh, the uh, trails of uh, uh, Goldacova over on the uh, other side of the pond, and uh, she was beaten again. And it was not the first time she was beaten in this. It was a horse by the name of Immortal Verse uh, who had a sparkling turn of foot, and she charged past Goldacova in the closing stages of the, let's see if I can get this, the Prix Harad de Fresne La Bouffard Jacques La Marot grade one race in France. Uh, the purse, 854000 you got to remember, though, the Goldacova, she's, she's six years old and, uh, you know, could be wearing a little bit, but no one will ever deny her greatness, and who knows, every one of these races could just be a prep to bring her back here for a record-setting Breeders' Cup victory. Well, that pretty much wraps up things on the national race scene. I'm looking forward coming up in the next segment to talk to uh, my good friend and uh, just a fantastic person overall, Patricia P.J. Cooksey. So what do you say we take a little break here on Winning Ponies, and we'll be back with P.J. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel listen to sports talk at the positive pub every monday at 1 p.m eastern 10 a.m pacific on the voice america sports channel gil tyree talks to sports newsmakers playmakers and story breakers you the hardcore interactive and novice fan can join the show via your phone calls and emails sample what's good right and positive about the world of sports every week Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. Well, thank you very much. But you're back here with John Engelhart and one of his favorite people, in the world, and that would be one Patricia P.J. Cooksey. If for some reason you've been in jail for the last 30 years and you didn't have a radio or a racing form, let me just recap some of the highlights of uh, P.J.'s career. Uh, she uh, uh, completed a riding career with 2,137 victories from over 18,000 mounts, and she's one of only two female riders to compile more than 2,000 career wins. And uh, Cooksey reigned as racing's all-time uh, female wins leader in 1988 before Julie Crone uh, inherited the top spot. I was there the night she took that crown. It was a very, very exciting time. And uh, also I was there when she won two of the, the richest races of her career, the $100,000 bassinet stakes and the $200,000 cradle stakes. Now, I don't want to make it sound like uh, PJ was just a, a local rider at River Downs. Uh, she went on uh, to, uh, to have a very, very successful career against uh, some of the best in racing in Kentucky. And that's where she lives now. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you one Patricia, PJ Cooksey. How you doing, Paige? Drum roll, applause. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, hey, Johnny. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I just wanted to, I, I had some fun, as, uh, as, as we'll get into a little bit later in the conversation, uh, kind of, you know, researching a little bio. We actually, we put a little page in the program about you because you're going to be up here this weekend. But uh, yep. if, if you would, just kind of recap your career for some of the people that, that maybe uh, are just meeting you for the first time. There might be some youngsters out there tuned into the show. Tell them a little about your career at a place called Waterford Park that kind of still exists, but is now Mountaineer Park, and the fact that you picked up the nickname PJ because at the time you didn't want trainers to know you were a girl. Absolutely, John. You know, the thing of it is, is um, you know, when you think back, I mean, I started riding in uh, September of 1979, and uh, you know, it's been a long time, but um, you know, I started on the bottom, went to the racetrack, ended up, uh, I got a job walking hots, walked hots. Uh, eventually moved up to uh, grooming horses, uh, moved up to assistant trainer, and uh, never was really had a t- training title. But, um, yeah, I was assistant trainer for an outfit and uh, eventually started exercising horses and then started, uh, you know, started my riding career. And, um, you know, at the time, the only female jockey up there, well, there's actually two, Jackie Randolph and uh, a wonderful um mentor in patty barton and um i i give patty barton the credit for you know giving me my toughness because let me tell you something she was one of the true pioneers of racing and uh-huh. you know watching her watching her manipulate those boys and you know and uh you know fight with them and punch them and i was like whoa i'd stand in the corner going "Ooh, i hope i don't have to do this <laughs> well as, as i personally know you did do that but we'll save that for another conversation yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, start on the bottom, and then uh, you know I was just blessed with a God-given talent. Um, loved what I did. There was a point when I probably would have rode for free, but you know enjoyed the money that that went with it. Uh, eventually, you know, was leading rider my first two full meets at Waterford Park, and I thought, well, you know what, the only place to go if you want to be a jockey is the horse capital of the world. So, packed my tech and made the move to uh, Kentucky. 
But what's well, nice the only thing is, is you huh? spent a little time in Ohio on the way. I remember uh, some of the really nice horses. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, Jim Frazier won, had won a couple stakes here this year, and I know that you rode for his dad, Fleming Frazier, for quite a few years on the Ohio circuit. I didn't know Jim was training. No, oh, no, God, he's really. only. He's owning. Oh, uh, he's owning. Okay, okay. Well, that's neat, though. I didn't. I didn't realize he still owned horses. Well, that's oh, yeah. wonderful. Oh my gosh, Mr. Fraser was just an awesome supporter of mine, and we went a lot of a lot of the Ohio stakes races. You know, most of them. You know, under his colors and. Um, him and Fred Watkins, good old Fred. Man, what a horseman Fred was. You know, just real um, briefly, I'll tell you, all of Fred's, all the girls, remember he had all those girls that, that worked for him in the shed row and yep. everything? They still have a memorial for him at the track every year, and they name a race the Freddy's Angels. And all those girls uh, come out and have a grand old time and then get their picture taken in the winner's circle. Bless their hearts. I mean, they, they were awesome. You know, Fred treated them right. They treated the horses right. And it was it was an awesome team, and I mean, believe me, he was you know he was like I said, he was just an awesome horseman. And but you know, a horseman and you know trainers only as good as their help and their assistance. And those girls, boy, they just really took care of him and the horses both. Now I remember you winning several riding titles at another track that's since changed its name. At the time, it was called Latonia. Was that your first step into the bluegrass? Yeah, pretty much coming into Latonia, um, you know, um, I felt pretty good. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd arrived. I was in Kentucky, but you know what? I came in with two leading rider trophies and, you know, a lot of confidence, but, you know, I can't show them how good I am unless I get the mounts, and it was really hard, you know, getting the mounts. Nobody would give me an opportunity, and, um, you know, I was kind of contemplating, you know, maybe heading back to, um, you know, Waterford Park, you know, where I was big fish in a little pond, and the Crook of Scales there at the... Uh, Latonia, um, Tenenbaum. Remember Alan Tenenbaum? Yes, I do. Yeah, he was a clerk of scales, and, you know, we got to talking, and I said, I don't know, maybe I'll just go back. And he said, no, nah. he said, let's try something. He said, uh, he said, what's your middle name? And I said, Joanne. And he said, okay, well, we're going to try something. So the next next day the, the program came out, and I was no longer Patricia Cooksey, or I think it was Patty Cooksey on the program. There was now PJ Cooksey. So uh, trainers would call in, and, you know, they'd need a rider, and he'd say, well, there's a new rider in town called P.J. Cooksey, and then people would say, well, fine, put him on. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I think one guy know, was one shocked when he showed up in the, uh, in the paddock to be uh, getting legged up. Oh, yeah, I walked up the paddock. Of course, my hair was kind of long, sticking out of my helmet, and I walked up to the trainer. I didn't know him, you know, walked up put my hand out, and, I, and uh, he throws his hands up and says, oh, my God, you're a girl. And I said, yes, sir, I've been that way for 24 years. <laughs> <laughs> so it was that. a lot of fun. And then they, then they realized, you know that P.J. Cooksey, that's a girl. <laughs> but and she, she just won a race for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, so, uh, so it was kind of neat. I had to hide the fact that I was a female and, you know, um, hide my gender. Now, the, ne- the next step from there was, you, you, you took on some of the bigger boys uh, head, heading down the road to Louisville, and you held your own down there, too. Ha, did pretty good at, at uh, Churchill. I was, um, I was like, fourth leading rider at, uh, at, at one spring meet. And, um, you know, that was, that was tough because I really didn't get the opportunities on the good horses down there. But, um, you know, I did the best I could with what I got to ride. You know, I'd bring a lot of long shots in, and, you know, the gamblers kind of got to liking me because I think they could count on me to, you know, hit the board even if it was a long shot and you know i think people were you know kind of doing okay um you know with betting on me and everything and i think everybody knew that i was trying you know trying hard and um you know so but but it was tough you know when you got pat bay beside you on you know the one to two and you know you're you're carrying trying to carry this 30 to one shot you know it uh it certainly was a challenge but i'll tell you what it did it made me a better rider is what it did you know so um 
you know, when you ride with those guys, you, you, you can only become a better rider. So I really enjoyed my stints in uh, Churchill and Keeneland, and, um, yeah, it was great. Well, you know, what's great is that I can still you know, hear your enthusiasm uh, for the for for the game in your voice. And what's neat is you've been a fantastic ambassador for the sport, and uh, you, you've you've carried it on. But you've also you you, you had a personal struggle that you overcame uh, with, with breast cancer. Um, you know, luckily we can talk about it now because you're on the good side of it. But uh, that had to be kind of a dark side to your dark time for your life. Yeah, you know, that was, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that hits you, you know, as an athlete. I mean, I, I took care of myself. I, you know, I kind of watched what I ate and, you know, you just don't expect, you know, you don't expect you to get yourself to get cancer because you're an athlete. Athletes don't get sick. And secondly, you know, I thought you had to have breasts in order to get breast cancer. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah you know i was diagnosed in uh 2001 and um had a, had a mastectomy and went through chemotherapy and you know it's um sometimes you look at things john you can look back and say maybe it was a blessing because i'll tell you what it's put me in a position to meet some wonderfully awesome people um i'm right now on a committee with uh the first lady of kentucky mrs jane Bashir, which is an initiative that she started called horses and hope that um that raises money and and raises awareness and education and um screening for the the women and men on the backside of the racetracks at uh in Kentucky. So it's just been a wonderful journey for me in that I can help those, you know, maybe less fortunate that don't have any insurance or are under underinsured and we're able to get them, you know, whatever uh help they might need. And um you know, so it's uh like I said, it's, it might have been a blessing in disguise, I think. Well, I, I know that not long ago uh, you were down uh, riding for the cure down on uh, uh, during the Preakness Stakes. Uh, oh, boy, that's fun. Last year last year was the first year they, uh, <clears throat> they um, had a, a Legends, Lady Legends race. It's called Legends for the Cure. And there's eight women jockeys um, who are retired. And, uh, you know, we ride a paramutual wagering race. We ride six furlongs. Some of the women, now if people want to Google these names, I mean, they'll find that, you know, I don't consider myself a pioneer, John. I mean, these women broke down the barriers way before I came along. And, you know, like I said, I, I kind of like to say I smooth the, you know, the, the paths after me. But these women, Barbara Jo Rubin, you know, the first woman to win a paramutual waging race, Cheryl White, the first African-American. Um, oh, let's see, who else? Andrew Seafelt, she's she was uh, one mm-hmm. of the first. She set all kinds of records up on the East Coast. Um, I keep forgetting all of Mary Russ won the first grade one stakes race in Florida. Um, her name is Mary Russ Totora. I mean, it was just an awesome group of ladies. And, I mean, we worked and busted our rear ends to get ready for that race last year. And um, everybody was real like, ah, okay, how's this going to work? How's this going to turn out? Barbara Joe was 60 years old last year, you know. Wow. So, uh, but I'll tell you what, she's a horse horsewoman like you can't believe. She gets on... 100 jumpers every day, 8 and 9 a day. So she was fitter than all of us. But, you know, um, we raised raised money. They said it was one of the biggest autograph signing sessions they've ever had. They brought in Kathy Kushner, um, Di- uh, Diane Crump, um, who was the first woman to ride in the Kentucky Derby. Um, I think Patty Barton came in. I mean, they just brought all the... Um, all the... all the uh, um, legends in and, and just made it a great... Uh, awesome um, Preakness weekend for us, and it was so good that they did it again this year. So, so that's one thing that's keeping me halfway fit. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I've never been one not to be able to steal a good idea. And then now that I see that you, you've been doing work for the Susan G. Komen uh, Race for the Cure Foundation, I'm grabbing you, and you're going to come up here to River Downs on Saturday and be up with the folks up here. Absolutely. I, I look forward to it. I love meeting the you know, survivors and, and, and the people who support the, the survivors. You know, that, that's a big part of, of when you go through cancer and everything is your support system, you know, everybody that, that helps you get through it. And, and not only once you get through the cancer, but those that stick with you and, and continue to, to walk beside you, you know, um, because you just never know when, uh, you know, the big C can rear its ugly head again. So I love coming to events like this. I think it's a great cause. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm thrilled to come up again to uh, especially, you know, people say, well, what was your favorite track? That's easy. River Nouns. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, you said that just the way I paid you. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, send the check, okay? <laughs> I'll just hand it to <laughs> no, you. I do. I Saturday. mean, it's a great track. You know, the, the turf course was always wonderful. The, the dirt course was the safest. You know, you look out and there's the Ohio River flowing. I mean, it's just an awesome track. I loved riding at River Downs. Well, thanks, and I'll tell you what, I've, I've loved working here all these years, and I'm, I'm overlooking that uh, Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky right now. This place is, is, is gorgeous. The great thing about having you up, because I know you were a guest of honor about uh, five years ago or so, uh, is, is how many people around here still remember you like, like, like you were a hero here yesterday. Yeah, that's, you know, that, that makes me feel good to come back and see, you know, a lot of the people that I hadn't seen for a while. And, and, you know, they'll, will reminisce, you know, you remember this horse? And I bet on that horse and I'm going, where did he fish? Last. I said, well, I don't remember that one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know, it's so funny. People go, I made a lot of money on you. And others will go, you cost me money. Going, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I got paid. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, really, really. But I, I know you know this said, people... It wasn't me. <laughs> But there's, there's folks here that we, I've still got. We've got a lot of veterans around here that, that rode against you. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, trainers that, that, that put you up uh, on horses. So it's just going to be a fantastic afternoon. I thank you so much for, for doing it. And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing you, Peach. We're going to have uh, some photos of you winning some of your big races here. And for a little donation to Susan G. Komen, I'm guessing you'll put your uh, Patty Cooksey John Henry on there. I will, absolutely. I think my signature goes for about $3 on eBay, so, you know, you just never know, by gosh, you know. But, uh, you know, invite everybody out, and it's going to be a great day Saturday, and I just look forward to it and look forward to seeing everybody again, John, and I just uh, thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, thanks for being on Winning Ponies. Ladies and gentlemen, Patricia P.J. Cooksey, uh, one of the leading female rider in the world and one of the leading people you'll ever meet in your life. We're going to be back with Andy Serling right after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Fantasy Sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play Fantasy Sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, back here on Winning Ponies. Uh, we got a great segment coming up with one Andy, sometimes called Little Andy Serling. Now, uh, again, I told some of you folks I'm originally from the upstate New York area. My brother Bob uh, worked at Saratoga as a white cap, and then in later years we just went there as handicappers. We really like being out in kind of the saddling area and the paddock area there, and I recall this young lad bouncing about the uh, back paddock area. As a fa- matter of fact, I think sometimes they even wore a derby. And I didn't know who the kid was, but I, I knew everybody around there was call, called him Little Andy. And then I, you know, lost contact with him. I ended up working at a racetrack during August, so I didn't get a chance to get back to Saratoga. And all of a sudden, uh, I find out through through Naira that this Andy Serling, who uh, has turned out to be an, an expert handicapper, is the one and only Little Andy. Little Andy, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How, how about you? I'm doing just fine. Um, what are your memories of those days? Because I really do remember you running around the paddock. Now, you were a native of Saratoga, correct? I'm, I'm denying all of this. I'm just going to deny all of this ever happened. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you have some photos. My family moved here uh, when I was 11, actually, uh-huh. uh, right after the summer of 73. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, didn't get, you know, went, didn't, wasn't there for race season until 74. But, you know, it's just one of those things where I had no real interest in horse racing particularly. And then uh, my father and I used to go, my father was working, but he would leave work early and like to bet tries. And back then they only had a try in the last race, and we would go over for the last couple races so he could bet the try. And uh, Saratoga is the kind of place, and it's happened to uh, many, many people over the years. Once you go there, you look around and you think, I'm just in the greatest place in the world, and, and I just never left. Yeah. It's it's really it's it's hard to describe it, but th- those were great days. I mean, the, the Harry Stevens sure. Sundays and the smell of things and how close you could get to the horses. Uh, just a, a marvelous place. And quite frankly, I was I was a kid there myself for many a years, and I, I miss it a lot. 
Yeah, I know. You know, it, it really is the, the town that, that, that time forgot because, you know, not only, I mean, you know, obviously you, know, you saddle the horses by the trees and get a little closer, but it's not as though it's, it, you know, it's changed that much. It's remarkably similar. I mean, you still get close to the horse with a big paddock, and, you know, we've made changes, but it's, it's, it's still a very, it's a great atmosphere. And look, in this game that we love, there aren't that many places which are still that popular with, with people um, going to them, and it's it's a feel that you know existed a great deal in the past, but doesn't exist at too many racetracks, save a you know a Del Mar, a Keeneland, and certain you know boutique meets or certain given days during the year. But Saratoga is a, a magical place, and it's a great town. And and you know just you know, after I hang up on you, I walk downtown to meet some friends for dinner, and everybody loves racing. You know, it's it's a it's a, it's a it's a, a magical special place, and for people that love racing, if you've never been to Saratoga, you really don't know what you're missing, and you, you sort of need to get here at all costs. Yeah, and that's certainly not an elitist statement. It's, that's, it's just an honest statement, because it's, it's really such a warm place to be, too. Oh, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not an elitist place at all. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the haves may have, you know, better seats and such, but it's about just regular racing fans, you know, mingling with, 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 with you know, with each other and, you know, going downtown. And people are so nice, you know, and you, you, you know, I go to bars and stuff and, and, and people want to talk horses. And listen, we love the game. And, 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 you know, I live in New York City and maybe twice a year somebody says, hi, Andy, you know, or something on the subway, but, in general, you know, it's a big city, and, and people, you know, people don't know any, or care about horse racing. And then here, everybody loves it, and, 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 and almost to a person, they couldn't be nicer. It's, it's a great, really, really special place. Now, Andy, you're going to have to connect the dots for me because, like I said, the last time I saw you, you were probably a teenager, and all of a sudden I look up one day, and this is, whatever, 20 years later, and you're working for Naira. How did you get there? Well, back in... Uh, I mean, I, I've been, you know, I just, I never stopped playing the horses, and I know, you know, I knew a lot of people. Obviously, I knew Andy Byer when I, you know, I met Andy when I was 13 or whatever in '75, and I sort of knew a lot of. I just sort of managed to meet a lot of players and such over the years, and always hung out at the track. And in 1990, I want to say, you know, I, I left work. I was working out of Wall Street, and I left and played the horses from '94 to '97. And when Steve Christ went to work for Naira, I mean, he and I weren't really close friends at that time. We became close friends. But I guess it was the end of 95. I used to go to Gulfstream for the winter. They needed um, somebody to fill in for, for four weeks on Talking Horses back then. You know, we're talking 16 years ago. And uh, Steve asked me to do it. So it was the first sort of TV I ever did, and I had fun doing it. It was, it was fun. And then, I, I, you know, after that, I went to have the Gulfstream. But when I came back, they ended up having uh, sort of an opening. Um, to work on the show, and, and, and Steve hired me to come in, uh, and I did Talking Horses every day, and, and you know, did a little bit of filling in during the afternoon, but uh, lasted doing that for about, uh, I don't know, three quarters of a year, let's say, um, until, you know, for whatever reasons, they, they decided they didn't want me doing it anymore, uh, different management at that time, obviously, than it is now, but Steve bought the form shortly thereafter, and even though I went back to Wall Street, when they started, you know, they did the seminars at Ciro's, I used to do them with Harvey Pack quite frequently, and I did that for a while, and then uh, I, I left Wall Street again and did some work for UBET and still do the seminars up here, but then uh, I called Charlie Hayward, who you know, I've known for years, because he, you know, I knew him through Steve, actually, and they were involved in the racing form together, and I called Charlie in the winter of, 90, of 2008, and uh, he, and I, he actually lived reasonably close to each other in the city, and, and we sort of got together and talked about my maybe working there. And he and I have a very similar vision on how handicapping shows should be done, you know, as opposed to how they frequently are done. And 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 
you know, he, he, he sort of got me, hired me at Naira to do this. And you know, the people at Naira, I mean, obviously, Charlie, I have a, you know, a great debt of gratitude to, but really everybody at Naira has been great because it's a, it's a real team effort to do what we do. It's not like just, you know, one person getting up there and, you know, the sort of the TV people are, are great and working with them. And really just Charlie brought me in and that's, that's how it happened. Well, speaking of uh, team members, there's there's one that uh, that put, put you in print in, in, in his book called "May the Horse Be With You." And if I may read a passage from from Harvey Pack, uh, he was saying, uh, "I might be the host of the Daily Racing Forum seminars at Saratoga, but according to no less of an authority than the New York Times, the main attraction is Andy Serling, A.K.A. Little Andy. Little Andy's a Saratoga native. About thirty years ago, you'd see him up there, and he'd be following Andy Byer around like a puppy dog. He was just a kid then, and one of the good things about Little Andy is that he cooperated and never got any taller. So he's still Little Andy. <laughs> and then he goes on to say that without you, he doesn't think he could have done the show. Well, what was it like to be around Harvey Pack? I, you know, I've known Harvey a long time. Harvey is the guy who named me Little Andy, but uh, I've known Harvey for a long, long time, and. I mean, I still talk to him. I talked to him the other day. He also lives near me in the city as well. But uh, Harvey, you know, Harvey's an interesting guy because, he, you know, he has a great knowledge of history, racing and such, and also, you know, theater in New York. And you're talking about, you know, guy I saw Brando do streetcar on stage. And, uh, and he's as funny as he is, he's funnier to be with sort of personally, you know, driving to and from the track with him. He's, a, he's an extraordinarily bright and funny guy. But also in working with him, and we just had a great time together. I mean, we have similar senses of humor, and we enjoy working together. And I mean, I, I am sure that I will never do anything that I will enjoy more than being on the Ciro stage with Harvey. That was just, I mean, I can't tell you what it was like and how much I enjoyed it and look forward to it and, and miss it. You know, I, I think about it every day as I walk the track and I walk by Ciro's, I think about how lucky I was and what great times those were. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoy uh, listening to you on, on Talking Horses. And every now and then, you know, it seems like you use a, a lot of tools. Uh, but there's, there's one word that you, you, seems to come out of, of you a lot when you're analyzing a race. Uh, and, and that seems to be an emphasis on pace and distance. Well, I mean, you know, races are, are, are won by how they're run. Um, quite frequently and not necessarily the best horses in them. I mean, obviously, being the best horse is an advantage, but, you know, race, the, you know, the race dynamics have so much to do with the results that you have to be aware of it, and you have to be aware when it's the case. I mean, there, there are going to be plenty of races that are straightforward races where, you know, the right horses sort of win, whether they're the favorites or not, but there, you have to be aware of when the dynamics of a race, even if it's not the winner, affected the result and who was affected both positively and negatively, and you have to know that for their future races and sort of have an idea in your head of perhaps how today's race will be run. And I think, you know, the secret to finding winners is finding the horses that are best suited to a race and not just the horses who are necessarily the best horses. Well, you, you, you do an outstanding job at that, and I, I know that you've had a really long day. Uh, and so what I'd like to do, if I could, is I'd like to ask you to, to handicap the next two feature races at Saratoga okay. uh, on Friday and Saturday, uh, starting out with, the, is it pronounced the Yaddo? Yado. Yado. Yado is the artist colony, which is abuts the track properties you're heading down Union Avenue away from town. Well, um, you know, if, we, if you were in Ohio, I'd take the lead here because I know my state bread's pretty good. But you're a New Yorker, and this race is, is for uh, Phillies and mares, 100,000 going to mile and a 16th uh, fold in New York. So I'm going to let you take it away. 
Yeah, I think it's an interesting rate. Listen, there's no question that the horse to beat here is Gichigumi. She's simply, you know, probably a better horse than the ones in here. But I don't think her margin is that significant. And, you know, one of the things you like to do, especially, you know, as you get used to the New York Red Stakes, and we ran the West Point, the male division today, is find, you know, you have the sort of the old pros that have been running in them for, for a little while, but are there any sort of young horses, you know, a, a four-year-old that's sort of stepping their game up and is ready to join the elite? And I would say overall, first of all, we don't have the winner of the other, you know, the other sort of top New York Red Philly chorus music. And overall, not that these horses are, 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 there's some decent horses in here, but some of the better horses like Go West Young, young Girl, um, a horse that Tom Proctor had, uh, retired and not running anymore. So I think it's not a race that you have to worry about, you know, some titan that you can't beat. And Mystic City is a horse who has really stepped up her game this year. She was marginally okay as a New York bred, getting, you know, getting through her knowledge of one condition last year. But since coming back this year, she's run three straight very, very strong races. And last time out, you know, this was a contentious race, and she chased the pace hard early before settling a little off of it. But it was two to three wide on both turns. And I thought she was, you know, the only horse that was sort of forwardly placed in the race that finished it all, and she only got beaten the length. And there's just not a heck of a lot of pace in this race. It's not as though you know, she needs to have the lead anyway by herself, but I think she may be in a position where she's able to pretty much control. And as a horse that's improving moving forward, I think that Mystic City is an extremely interesting and dangerous horse in this race. So she's my pick, along with the obvious Gichigumi and a little Terra Eba. Yeah, I mean, you've got the, basically it's a replay of the uh, Irish Linnet. You've got the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth finishers uh, in, in there. Well, well coming up, the, the big one this week, of course, uh, is going to be the Alabama Stakes. And I'll date myself. I found one of my old Brownie photos of Bill Shoemaker winning aboard Gamely in 1967. Wow. So I was there that day dating myself a little bit. Right. But this is always just a sensational race. And as much as we, we have uh, a you know, Philly that could be going for the triple tiara, you know, again, I'm looking at this from maybe a, a pace angle. Uh, could It's Tricky and Plum Pretty set this race up for St. John's River or Inglorious? Um, or Royal Delta. Um, yeah, this is a really, really good race. I mean, I know it's a six-horse field, and one of them has no real chance of pinch pie, but the other five are really, I mean, this is a great race. And I, you know, obviously, I sell the Naira product, but this race doesn't need me to sell it. This is a great race, and I, I'm fascinated. You know, one of the things, look, I love it's tricky. Not in this race. I'm, I'm not betting her in this race. But, you know, this is a horse that, you know, Jason and I saw run in the winter, and, you know, I was all a god. I, I really, you know, I, I pronounced her perhaps the best three-year-old in the country after she won the busher. And a lot of people may have laughed at that, but she, she's a very, very good horse. And the only race she's ever lost was a debacle when they shipped her to Florida. They went from the cold to the heat. She has a sweating issue, and she just didn't handle the ship, and she just blew up. But otherwise, you've basically got an undefeated filly, and she is a very, very good horse. But mile and a quarter is a question mark. She's got Plum Pretty to deal with. There's no question, you know, they are head and shoulders above the others based on their last race. But, you know, last race is a different story because Royal Delta hadn't run in two months 
And she never got in a comfortable position. She was hung up a bit wide. She was sort of rank early and just never really got comfortable. And you go back to her black-eyed Susan, where she beat Buster's Ready when Buster's Ready was in good form and came back and buried the field in the mother goose. She had a good trip that day, but she was very impressive in winning. And I think with the benefit of the race under her belt and a good inside post, she can get the right position, and she might be the best horse in this race. I don't discount St. John's River, but she beat weaker horses, but I'm very scared and glorious on the outside. Not because I think she's the best horse in the race, because I think she may be the fifth best horse in the race, you know, if you break down their abilities. But what she is is a mile and a quarter horse. And you just can't, you know, sort of discount how important a horse's talent to handle the distance is, especially the farther they go. We just don't know how well the others will handle the distance. And when you see how much Inglorious improved in that Queen's Plate, I just think that she's a very dangerous horse considering it's a mile and a quarter. She is. The only question that remains is, is she a synthetic wonder? I mean, right. She hasn't proven herself on dirt. Except, you know, her dirt races down at fairgrounds were really pretty much in line with her other synth races, save the Queen's Plate. So I think a fair argument can be made that she may have just stepped forward because it was the mile and a quarter. Or she's, you know, just suddenly improved. Or she got a fast pace to run into and she'll nowhere in this race. But I think that she's a, she's a horse. And Josie Carroll won this race two years ago. She has good numbers going, you know, sent to, uh, to dirt. I think she's a really interesting horse. But I love Royal Delft in this race. I, I'm not swaying for a position that I took that she, she really ultimately might prove to be the best three-year-old filly in the country. Well, I hope everybody within the sound of her voice can, uh, if they can't be at Saratoga, can get to an OTB parlor or a racetrack near them. This is just going to be an unbelievable race. There's just so much talent in there. And speaking of talent, I'm talking to him right now, Andy Serling. Andy, you do just an outstanding job uh, representing everybody in racing. I love your delivery. Uh, you're fun to listen to. But you make a whole lot of sense. You, you make uh, watching a handicapping show fun. And thanks so much for spending the time with us this evening. Well, thanks for all the kind words, and thanks for having me on. And I look forward to coming on some other time. Uh, I will. I'll try to get you on a day you're not putting together a pick six ticket. <laughs> all right, John. Take care. All right. And take then, care. by the way, I hope I hope I get a chance to get to River Downs again. You know, I used to love going there when I used to go to Keeneland in the mid '90s when you guys would race on Mondays and Tuesdays, and I drive down. It's a great place. Really, uh, really is a terrific track. Be my guest. Thanks a million. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to try to take a visit to some other tracks. Mammoth Park in Del Mar. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
Well, while I doff yeah. my hat to Andy Sterling, I have to take my hat off to, to another excellent handicapper I've had the chance to, to call a friend and get to know over the years. Uh, he's the track announcer at Hialeah Park and River Downs. He's a mellow fellow, the round mound of sound. Pete Aiello. Pete, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Always good when you get to handicap races. Absolutely, and uh, I know you've done a little bit of that on every single level, and I do hope, because I know that you're the king of the quarters, that you will come back on the air with us and do the All-American Futurity. Absolutely. Uh, the, the preliminary reports tell 26 trials. They started at 9 in the morning local time and raced until 6 o'clock, and uh, the preliminary reports were that the Texas breads were dominating, so it should make for a competitive field of the All-American on Labor Day. <laughs> well, if anybody's got his ear to that quarter mile, is I know it's you, so I'm calling you out on that one uh, because uh, you've made me a believer over the years watching you not only uh, handicap quarter horses but mule horses as well. Well, right now what we're going to do is we're going to go south of Saratoga, and we're going to go into New Jersey and go to Monmouth Park uh, to the Phil Isselin, it's a grade three, quarter million dollars up for grabs. It's a mile and an eighth, and I'm telling you what, in my opinion, I mean, there's a horse I like in here, but I think this is a real can of worms. Well, you know, there's a lot of different ways to go in this race. you got horses that have shown an affinity for the local strip, and then you have horses that have shown a, you know, a little bit more class but are really proven over the Monmouth main track. So it's kind of a, a different, different ways to go in the race for sure. Yeah, and there's you know a couple question mark horses. Like you said, there are horses that have shown uh, affinity for 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 Mammoth, particularly uh, Chirac, who I've you know got my horse for course uh, little number down there. Uh, he had twelve starts at Mammoth, five wins, a second, four thirds. He's won three hundred seventy one thousand at the track, and you know this is a mile and an eighth. Horses don't race that a lot, uh, and this horse has finished first and third. Uh, but there's a you know, and this horse actually won this race back in '09. Uh, the only thing is. He's got those long lines in his past performances, so you know that he's probably had a little hitch in his get-along, and that last race scares me, Pete. Well, I actually, John, I actually saw that last race. I wagered on that last race, and I would, would encourage you that if you like Chirac, don't hold the last race against him. That was a very contested pace that day. They went far too quick, far too soon, going a mile and a half at Philly Park. And the winner of the race, AU Minor, he was a good 15, 16 length last as they came by the stands the first time, so... As you like to say, just draw a line through that last race. Uh, for me in here, though, the more concern about Chirac is the lack of, uh, uh, of a, a clear early lead in here as well. I think that he will hook up with Ponzi scheme as well as dueling Alex. You have to remember something about the one-horse dueling Alex. Uh, the, the last time he ran at Belmont in four races at Gulfstream, those are one-turn miles. And as you know, horses stretching out will show, inherently show more speed than, uh, they will, uh, than they do going the one-turn. So, Look for the pace to be a contested one, and um, you know there's there's a couple of different ways to go in here. Todd Fletcher's animal Alma Dioro is coming off a good win at Delaware in the Carpenter Memorial Handicap. If he can sit that kind of trip, I think he's got a big chance in here. He's shown the propensity to get a long trip. However, he's really kind of been a tractable type animal, and I think he's better with a target. Uh, Jersey Joe Bravo, he's not called Jersey Joe for nothing, so don't <laughs> overlook Todd Pletcher's horse in there for sure. No, and, and, you know, if you want to talk about class, you look down through, you know, many of these horses have, you know, kind of prepped a little bit in optional claimings and allowance races and things like this. Uh, this horse, as you look down his past performances, you see nothing but stakes competition. Absolutely, and, you know, it's interesting, uh, the horse right next door that we mentioned, I mentioned a little bit ago in Ponzi scheme, uh, he's a horse that's really come to hand for trainer Juan Saray, and that's who I actually bet on in the Greenwood Cup last time. 
and he just uh, was a little too keen for the for the jock that day. And I really think that this horse has got a big shot if he can sit off the speed like he did in that overnight stake in Delaware two races ago. He made all on the skip away at Monmouth, but a 24-second opening quarter in New Jersey is really not all that quick. So I wouldn't overlook Ponzi scheme either. He definitely has the speed figures to be competitive, and he certainly has shown that he can rally from off the speed. Well, I'm going to take a horse in here that, that looks like he was specifically pointed to this race by a very, very sharp trainer, and that's one Wesley Ward, who, who for this year is batting 40%. Uh, this horse, he's a two-time Derby winner, but it was the Ohio Derby and the Oklahoma Derby. The thing is, both of those races uh, were, were long. Uh, this horse has won at a mile and an eighth. Uh, the horse has only had two races this year. Uh, the, the first one, just we want to put a line through it, put a line through it. But then he races the horse, uh, rests the horse from May to July and decides to show up at Monmouth, the first time this horse has ever run there. And this horse comes from just off the pace, gets up by a head, but wasn't really used. That was a strong finish. And I noticed that Mr. Trujillo, who probably could add some mounts on other horses in this race, is sticking with Wesley Ward. So I'm going to think that maybe Wes is a pretty sharp guy, that he's winding this, this horse up uh, for, for a big effort. But uh, So th- those are those are the horses that float to the top there. I've only got about uh, three minutes left to break down just a fantastic race out on the West Coast. Uh, the Grade 1 Delmar Oaks. Of course, Oaks are for three-year-old fillies. Uh, and... Uh, this race is kind of interesting. There's a lot of familiar faces, and there's one that's not. Yeah, and I'm sure that the one that's not is the horse coming over from Monmouth Park for Grand Motion Summer Soiree. I'm sure that's who you're referencing on that. Yes, I am. Now, who you well, like? You know, it's interesting. Summer Soiree is a filly that's really done her best running on or near the lead. And frankly, a lot of the other live contenders in the race, the horses with proven form, if you will, have shown ability to sit on or near the pace. And really, to me, in my mind, it's not shown an ability to kick from well off the speed. Um, so for me in here, I like Cambina. I mean, uh, you get the arguably the best finishing jockey in the country in Garrett Gomez. She is a grade two winner. She has closed from well off the speed. She dead heated for the win in the American Oaks last time out. And the only three times that Gogo has been on her, she won all three times, and that was from well, well off the speed. So uh, just hope that uh, Cambina's not a Santa Anita course specialist, but she should get the good pace set up in here. Yeah, she was beaten by a horse that's in this race who's very lightly raced, trained by John Sheriffs called Nareed. Uh, the American Oaks uh, was quite the race. Those two horses dead heated. The thing is, Cambina had trouble in the race. So two horses dead heat. I'm going to have to take the horse uh, that uh, had a little trouble um, a little bit, and again, Summer Sorry is a question mark. If this is me, you're going to bet him. You got to box him. I'm boxing Summer Sorry and Cambina. It's going to be a very contentious race, though. That's the that's the Delmar. Well, you know, two others to look Oops. at is the uh, the other John Sheriff's trainee, the, the uh, Star Billing filly. She was only ahead behind both of the top two that we just mentioned. Oh yeah, and don't overlook the beaten favorite angle from the four post, Dizzy Caroline. She was favored in the American Oaks and just ran out of racetrack and ended up fifth. Absolutely. A very contentious race. Uh, this and the uh, the Alabama are going to be two sensational races to watch. Well, Pete, thanks a lot for coming in and, and helping me out with the, the uh, races from Monmouth and Del Mar. I'll look forward to having you on when it's time to uh, cap the All-American Futurity because you know what I know about quarter horses you can put in a thimble. 
Well, great to speak with you, John, and have a great night to everybody out there in Radio Land. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's Pete Aiello, track announcer at River Downs and historic Hialeah. I want to thank uh, Andy Serling for taking some time out for a, from a very, very busy day in New York. Uh, he put together that pick six ticket, and he only had one bad horse on the ticket. And then, of course, uh, the one, the only, Patricia P.J. Cooksey, a great ambassador of sport, the former leading woman rider in North America who's going out now and uh, helping Susan G. Komen, uh earn money to find a cure for breast cancer. So ladies and gentlemen, high atop the grandstand, overlooking the turf course in the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.